Welcome to episode nine of Chewing the Fat. And Mike, I wanted to start by saying my PT is better than yours. Hold up there, Matt. My PT is better than yours. No, you don't understand. My actual PT is better than your PT. Wait, 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 Matt. Trust me, my PT is better than yours. Ah, here we go. (laughs) Welcome to Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. Two PTs talking about life inside and outside of the fitness industry. Welcome everyone to episode nine and as you already know, the title of today's podcast is My PT is better than yours. We don't mean that we're going to talk about ourselves today and say, right, this is what we do great and that. This is purely a podcast to talk about what to look for in a good PT, what habits perhaps a poor PT might have, um, how much would you pay for PT and how has the PT industry developed over the last 10 years, Matt? Yeah, and I think this is going to be good for personal trainers to listen to, maybe starting off in their career, and also people that are thinking about taking on a personal trainer. But Mike, initially, what does it take to be a qualified personal trainer? Well, before we start, Matt, I've got a bit of bad news. You're retiring. That'd be good news. (laughs) (laughs) No, bad news, Matt. This week, I don't have any names today. No other names, no quotes from world leaders to all you listeners out there i'm sorry you're not going to name drop one of these greek gods that (laughs) made up this yesterday no nothing like that no so back to your question what does it take to be a qualified pt so in the uk students are required to take their mvq level two in gym instructing and then the level three in personal training and there are many companies that offer this but it's important to choose the right company okay And mainly these companies that get their teacher materials have to be recognized and regulated by Ofqual, which basically is the Office of Qualifications and Examinations Regulation. And these guys regulate qualifications, exams and assessments in England. You want to make sure that whoever you choose to do your qualification with, that all the courses are accredited and certified by an awarding body in the fitness industry. And they are also recognized by the Chartered Institute for the Management of Sport and Physical Activity, otherwise known as SIMSPAR. And they're responsible for creating a single directory for all exercise and fitness professionals. Mm. So you mean them, them guys on Instagram with their six packs out, selling like skinny teeth that's they're not qualified though ask them where they got the qualifications from or which company they used and it's important i think ultimately this person's going to be looking after your health mm, definitely and even after people qualify mike as well it doesn't end there does it as well because i was that say like the level two and level three gym instructor and personal trainers kind of like the driving test you've got to do what's necessary to pass but then after that that's when the real learning starts right my first day, I was bricking it. Literally, going to that gym the first day, I forgot everything I'd been trained for because it was completely different to what I thought it would be like, in a good way, really. And I was just so nervous. And that was a real test for me, just working with real-life people. And Yeah. I went from like a building site to working in a gym. So it was, it was quite mm. a transition as well. But yeah, yeah it's very, very overwhelming because you've kind of learned all this knowledge for like the last, I think, of course, maybe it was about 12 weeks at the time. Um, and you kind of 
get in the gym and you want to spout all this knowledge to people as well when people yeah. just want to know how to change the seat height on a chest press so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, and it's interesting you say about sort of like the course length and back in when we did ours i think we both qualified in the same year or around about the same sort yeah. of time and back then it was like 10 12 weeks of full-time learning face to face and it's changed a lot over the last sort of 10 years and just recently you probably could find a a level two course in gym instructing on the back of a Weebix box (laughs) and you save up for eight weeks and then you send it in and you get your level two (laughs) certificate but you can get your level two completed in in just under three weeks uh, full-time or part-time you can do in four weeks because normally the level three would be an additional sort sort of seven to ten weeks but nowadays you're looking about four to six weeks for a full-time level three course and a six week maybe part-time so you've also got that side of things as well and not forgetting the option now for e-learning which means that you can do your pt course all online yeah and i think essentially having this accreditation is important i mean i'll get all the coaches at the gym to make sure they're level two and level three qualified i think it's a necessity even down to insurance as well without the level two and the level three you cannot get any fitness insurance it's all part of the business side of of pt which i know that we're going to discuss a bit later in the podcast going on to actually personal training a massive part of of being a pt is having good values and and good habits matt and from your experience of working with clients what do you believe are, are values that a good trainer must have I think the biggest value a trainer can ever have, or a PT or a coach, whatever you want to call call yourself, is to find solutions for people. Because essentially, that is all we're doing. We're finding solutions for people, whether that's weight loss, whether it's getting stronger, and we guide them towards the goal. Now, without going off on a complete tangent, when I first started PT in a commercial gym, there was a, a trainer there, and he was kind of like the man. His name was Craig. And he was like, everyone wanted to train with this guy. And I was like, wow. How's he doing it? And I used to watch how he used to train people. And like, he used to do something that no one else used to do at the start of the session. He used to go and stand with them on a cross trainer and talk to them for 15 minutes while I warm up or a treadmill or whatever. And I used to be like, this is a waste of time. This guy is literally just talking to him for 15 minutes. But then when I sort of spied on him, when I was cleaning the equipment, you know, and you have to do all the cleaning in the gym, I was going to get a little bit closer, listen to him. And he was basically just talking to his client. He was extracting information from the client. How was the last week? You know, how did you get on with this? How did you get on with that? How did you get on with your nutrition? And he was almost extracting this information within the first 15 minutes so he could maybe make the right judgment in what sort of session he was going to deliver. If his client was sort of super stressed out, he he might go, okay, we're not going to deadlift today. We're going to change it up. We're going to do this today. And I thought that was really, really smart because people adored him having that ability to listen and like you mentioned with that trainer Craig he was listening to every single word that client says and it's a massive part of being a a good trainer you must have that ability to listen to your clients you're there to help people I can give an example of a client I had and he came in he's very quiet and today was squat day I said oh what's going on he said oh just just tough day at work and I can see he wasn't really feeling it I said look do you fancy squatting today? And he looked at me and I said, look, you know what? Let's just scrap it. And what do you fancy doing? He looked at me and I said, I said deadlifting. And he said, you won't believe the smile he had. That day he came away just buzzing from that session. So and sometimes I think a lot of trainers think, right, we have to stick to the program. We have to stick yeah. to the program. But yeah. at what cost is what I would probably say to you. 
Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of trainers get obsessed with following like an exact program. Okay, you've got to do this percentage at this weight today. Even if you've had two hours sleep, feeding your kid all night, but we're going to do 90% of your, of, of your back squat. It's yeah. just unrealistic as well, because I think yeah. your client is paying you to deliver them the safest, most effective session possible. But sometimes you do need yeah. flexibility within that session. But also, Mike, they're good habits. What bad habits do trainers have that have you seen in the past? Just beating everyone till a pulp, almost stigma attached to PT and being the sergeant major, right? Yeah. Sort of like dread. And I think still that sort of stigma, I don't really like being attached to, to my job. People say, oh, you're one of those people, are you? Mm, yeah, you're one of those. <laughs> If your client just come to the gym, they're new to the environment, they just want to maybe change their body composition a little bit, they don't need to be beastie. They don't need to feel like they're going to end up on the floor every single session. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, like the whole notion of just constantly beasting clients as well. Yeah. Because you've got to think of the way effectively you're going to train that client. If you're going to beast them on a Monday and wreck their legs with some leg giant set, the reality is they're not going to walk the rest of the week they're not going to be able to come in and train again they're not going to be able to go and get their steps not they could be quite miserable from being completely honest so i think you know i say beasting clients isn't always a good correlation to if it's a good session or not yeah and it's part of a trainer kind of being educated in regards to understanding the whole the process really of of programming correctly for your client and just knowing them as well sometimes the science behind it you've got to look at the person individual in front of you yeah another one as well on the same subject mike as well is distractions during training now it could be probably misconstrued because me and you post a lot of our clients when we're in the gym of them training of, of a class yeah. we we video a lot of content for our social media but one of my biggest bugbears is pts using their mobile phones while they're training someone yeah because if i was to use my mobile phone i'd make it very clear to the client do you mind if i film you i'm just yeah. i'm out to booking your next session yeah. I don't want to be away texting on my phone, checking my Instagram, my Facebook, my latest yeah. post, whatever. And I'd see a lot of trainees in the gyms do this. And, you yeah. know, I'd even make a conscious effort of when I worked in a commercial gym, especially, was actually getting an iPad to have the client's program on the iPad and take notes and make it very clear I was using it for that and put my phone like on the desk somewhere. Yeah. I use my phone, like you mentioned, for videoing content and also feedback for clients and show some feedback on your technique and your lifts. And a lot of clients love to see themselves train in regards to seeing progress too. I think mm. it's frowned upon a little bit in the industry that, all oh, right, it's a great way to show the progression for, yeah. for clients. And I use a lot of training and programming apps as well. So I'm very clear with clients to say, right, I'm going to record your program on my phone today or, or they bring out their phone and record their progress too. So like I say, if you are using your phone to cord like numbers and that sort of stuff just make it clear with the client hmm. and make it obvious that's what you're doing as well because it's important that they they believe that and they know that you're giving them their full attention because they're they're paying you good money for it yeah 100 yeah. percent. and also talk about value for money mike as well hmm. what's your thought about you must have seen this in the past the same program for every individual it just goes against the whole personal training theme what's the point of having a personal trainer if you're not being personal to that individual yeah i mean the thing is as well we have like maybe like preferred exercises that i'm i may use and exercise more regularly with people because I'm, it's a preferred exercise yeah. for me, but I certainly wouldn't program everyone the same, like a male program and a female program every day. And then that's the program because like you said, it defeats the object of personal training, doesn't it? Definitely. And there are like good base movements out there, like 
squat deadlift and press but i wouldn't get everyone on a deadlift or on a squat if a client is suffering with a range of movement i'm not going to get a bar on the back and then get them to to squat so i might just get them on the leg press and and work on their mobility so when they have got the range of movement we might go into a bodyweight squat or a a goblet squat and progress onto a a bar squat so Mm. one quote i heard before from uh, another podcast and he says it's good to have all the tools in the toolbox but we don't have to use them all the time Mm. so and as trainers we have a lot of tools in our toolbox we don't have to use them you know we just pick and choose them when is the right time yeah most definitely mate seen a lot of good coaches online and other coaches who I almost aspire to is their ability to say relate to clients. And I think sometimes we're, we're almost seen as like perfect. I used to drink a hell of a lot of booze back in the day and they're almost like they're shocked that you, that you've actually done this. Yeah. I think hopefully that becomes a stigma of like personal trainers need to be this like, Mm. I mean, you think of any other job but a model, personal trainers feel so much pressure to be in the best shape possible and be mm. all year round. But that has no correlation to how good a personal trainer actually is. Yeah, definitely. It's important to, to look after yourself. And I do believe that as a PT, you are a role model and you must yeah. look after your own personal health. If you take your job seriously, it will show through not only in your physical appearance and in what you do in regards to your your training regime, but your also clients will just be inspired by that. Oh, 100%. I think it's, it's almost that practice what you've got to preach as well, isn't it, as mm. well? Practice what you preach as well. You can't be um, giving advice to your clients if you almost don't follow that advice or believe in that advice yourself. Yeah, and on the flip side of going back to perhaps the, the negative side of some believe they have to be fitter and stronger than all of their clients. I think we're almost like if their clients outdo them and then, wow, you know, I'm not doing my job. And for me, I've got clients who are much better runners, much better on the rowers. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad PT. I don't have to be the best at everything. It's when they are getting to the point when they're progressing, you just got to keep encouraging them. Don't see it as, Oh, well, I can't have Gary over there running a faster, 1k than me i've got to go and run a faster 1k just so i'm, I'm yeah. better than my clients it's almost like the ego side of things isn't it yeah and i think as well it's, it's, it's nice to see clients really perform well oh amazing and achieve amazing things i mean even beyond of what we can do physically it's quite amazing for me the, one of the biggest things a pt must have do you know what it is coffee that's number two but the well, ability to count from one to ten Oh, mate, I'll get lost. <laughs> it's always four more. If in doubt, four more. And uh, you know what, actually, one thing I, I find hilarious, <laughs> if, if uh, you know what's coming, if I ever make a, a mistake with my rep counting, bang, straight away, they're in there going, no, 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 that's yep. 10. Yeah, you, you get the kickoff around rep nine, round 10, and when you've got four more, you said 12 reps. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I love about PT, just that, I like the fact that they can have that banter as well. It's important to, for them to be themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to get on with who you're training and they've got to get on with you as well because then you're going to work well together. Matt, how do you find a good trainer nowadays? Well, this is the hard bit now as well because, you know, the, the game has changed dramatically in the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years even since I first started. I mean, I've said it before that you know where I used to advertise me to PT used to put a poster on the back of a toilet door and then someone mm. would give me a call and I'll call them back and you know we'll arrange a meet and that was it I was like the only have the selection of the guys in the gym that you go to but 
social media is so dispensable. There are so many, you know, legit coaches and not legit coaches out there as well. So it's hard picking the right person. I think as well, biggest thing I've learned probably in the last few years as a coach is to niche yourself, is to be very specific with who you want to train and be good at training that person. Example, my niche is training female clients and usually is going to be around the realms of fat loss, not body transformation, not getting them down to like competing on stage. We're talking fat loss. And I've tried to educate myself in that area and try and relay that on social media where I'll probably do most of my advertising really that that is what client I train best. So and what brought you to that sort of that niche, would you say? I think I initially just fell in it, to be honest. I mean, when going back when I worked in a commercial gym, I trained people for like sports conditioning. I trained muscle gain. I trained fat loss. And I kind of never educated myself enough in one area to do it better, if that makes sense. I was kind of jack of all trades, master of fuck all. As the majority of my client base become more female, other things come up when you're female, such as pregnancy, training around menstrual cycle, all these things. I had to educate myself a little bit more on this, enable to help my clients more. So as soon as I become a little bit more educated in these areas, then I drew the clients I wanted to train a little bit more and inevitably produce more results. What are legitimate results when you see stuff on social media and, and different websites? I mean, I'm a big believer in what's called social proof. So if you're advertising for personal training, you need to prove what you're doing works with your clients. So first, first red flag, if someone's got the name like Paleo Paul or Keto Keith, run a mile because they're going to be very favorable to one dieting method. As a, a trainer, you need to have that ability to be objective as well as subjective because not every dietary approach or not every training approach is going to work for every client, as we've mentioned before. So, so it's important to recognize that we all have different lifestyles and different stresses and different responsibilities. And therefore, the same approach will not work for every single person. Yeah, 100%. And you've got an issue, look at this person's Instagram. Are most of the pictures of themselves with their shirt off posing or are more of the posts actually of value to people? What I mean yeah. by value is not check me out, like my picture. I, I've written a caption about breakfast. I don't know. I'm put on the spot here <laughs> about breakfast. And if it is of value to someone, then these guys are offering valuable content. So they are willing to help people. Well, perhaps next time you should maybe post a picture of yourself eating cornflakes topless. That might be worthwhile. <laughs> Two beds of one stone. <laughs> and the last thing being is, you know, if this person is a fat loss coach or, you know, transformation mm. coach, are they posting before and afters? Are yeah. these guys getting results? Yeah, that's what you want then, yeah. Just to prove that these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, and same with it's sports conditioning. Have you taken this runner who ran their marathon at, four hours and mm. now they're running at three thirty. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a massive part of it. And and clients want to see their results as well. I think as long as you're tracking their results, whether it be be tracking in regards to sort of weight loss or measurements or mm. what time you're yeah. running your five K now, yeah. are you getting stronger? How much are you lifting? Are you more flexible, for example? That's There's so many different ways that you can just ensure people are progressing. Because the amount of times that we've had sticking points in our training career 
you know, but as long as we see progress in one other thing, then there's still progress. A big part of thing is not always being right. And that's to come back to the ego. We're not always right. We, I think a lot of trainers, we think we're always right. And we, whenever someone questions us, it's almost like, how dare you? And that's <laughs> what? how very dare Get you. Get out of the gym. <laughs> yeah. And I think the ability for a client to ask questions, and I think for me, I love it when I'm challenged in that sense, mm. or they ask me, um, why are we doing this for? And I love it. And not because, well, we're doing it because I'm saying we're doing it. I just like that, that interest. Yeah, most definitely. And going back to when you said about progress, it doesn't always need to be these big milestones like losing three stone or running a marathon. It can be, does Sandra look at a squat position before, look at a squat position Absolutely, now. Absolutely, yeah. Nuggets of progress mm -hmm. and giving them clients a little bit of a shout out. And then, it, you know, them clients are happy because you've given them a shout out. It's on yeah. your page. People can see you're physically training people. Yes. Social media aspect of it is that ability for us now to share progress and and being proud of your clients i'm i think that's a big part showing your clients that you're proud yeah. of them not not saying you have to kind of like tag everyone and every day saying oh i love um jeffrey's you know <laughs> jeffrey back, back <laughs> jeffrey, <laughs> jeffrey's back transformation there's a difference between being flattering yeah. and then just being honest i think and, and people will see through your flattery yeah, and then obviously I've loved, there's other ways in social media. We're not saying it's a be and end all, but it is the biggest driver yeah. at the moment. You've got recommendations and your website and stuff. But Mike, very taboo subject because no trainer likes talking about this, about money. 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 Good morning. Money. <laughs> well, as a trainer, it's important to, if you've trained and you've qualified and you work hard and you constantly develop your skill set, it's important to be proud of what you do charge. And as long as it's, reasonable and and fair then and don't ever feel ashamed of telling people from the consumer's perspective as well i think it's important that if you're purchasing personal training you understand what you're paying for if someone is charging five to ten pounds per yeah. hour you know that's going to be a very cookie cutter session that's delivered for a lot of people it's going to be very low quality. There's no going to be no program design. There's going to be no follow-up. They're not going to check in with you during the week to make sure you're okay. It'll be a, maybe a generic diet plan if that. Now, if you're paying someone more money, you should expect them to follow up with you on the realms of out of your session. Yeah. You know, if there's a nutrition structure in place, you want them checking on that regularly. Yeah. Um, if there's an, an additional program in place that you can go and follow in your own time, yeah, again, that will be factored into that hour. So don't think paying, you know, 40, 50, 60 pounds an hour is just the hour. Think of How it. How much? As, <laughs> mate, we're over, over in Rochester. <laughs> Rochester. Um, yeah, think of the value for money. If it isn't just the hour in the gym or the 45 minutes yeah. in the gym, it's everything outside of that. And I think sometimes in experience, when someone makes a bigger investment in personal training, they're more than likely to give it their all because the investment is more money if you're purely kind of going for the, the trainer purely based on how much they charge then you're probably not getting pt for the right reasons mm. you know if you know this pt will get to where you want to be then, mm. then money really shouldn't be the main factor really in regards to um how you're going to get there i think if it's that important for you to get those results i'm not saying you should just like pay whatever they say but that shouldn't be the almost like the, the deal breaker when it comes to it. Yeah. And I think as well, you've got a, a good coach will always go out and constantly research and read and educate yeah. themselves. 
coaches only do this to relay the results onto their clients. Yeah. It's not in their own personal interests of like, I just want to learn this. Good coaches should learn information that they can further their knowledge to help their clients as well. Having the PT is almost like that the key to success, and it's not. I think you like this one, the sat nav. So Ooh, you get, I like this yeah. one. Cool. So you get in the car, program where you want to be. Sat nav tells you how to get there, but you still got to drive. You still got to turn that ignition key. You still got to do everything, the hard work to get there. But yeah. the sat nav just gives you that little bit of guidance to get you to that right place. And that's nice. what a PT is. Nice. Tom Tom. Yeah, nice. Tom Tom Mike. Tom Tom Mike. I remember, I remember old Tom Tom. Tom Tom Mike and Garvin Matt. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I always say to my clients, take what I say with a pinch of salt because I'm not always right. And that's important to realize that, that we're only human beings and we give our advice based on what we believe to be right at the time. A big part of my own development is talking to other trainers. For me, if someone came to me and I didn't feel I could do as better job as someone else, I would refer that client onto that person. And that's a big part of it is that there's nothing wrong with recognizing that someone has a better skill set in a certain area. And that's, and that's a big part of developing as a trainer. Sometimes we get caught up in the fact that we have to, we can't say no. Yeah. And I think as well, it's, it's the whole thing of not just chasing the money of not yeah. going, I'll take that client on, even though you know your skill set isn't right for that client. Yeah. I think that is very unethical as a personal trainer, just to take on any client. As a PT, you've got to look at you know, yourself as a, as a business and it just makes you that bit more professional. With personal training as well, I mean, I was at a point where I was working at a commercial gym and doing really high volume amounts of personal training. And it was very long hours. It was very, very late nights, early mornings. And I got to a point where it did impact every other area of my life, you know, my relationships and time, my family. And so then I decided to open up a gym with my business partner, Neil. Yeah. And I thought to myself, there's got to be something bigger picture for me where, you know, I don't have to work every single working hour, but then also come across different challenges within business as well. You know, just looking after myself was quite straightforward, but then learning a new skill set when opening a gym, you know, someone wasn't prepared for, which is managing staff, learning actually about business, more about marketing, a little bit of accounting, all these other skills that I've never thought would be necessary as a personal trainer. Yeah. And upskilling is a a massive part of a modern PT and having to adapt my style to more sort of online social media and rather than just the gym referrals like it used to be I say that you have to move the times just to not only keep your clients satisfied but also just make sure a better trainer too it gives you that little bit extra yeah I think the, what someone said to me I can't remember who but it really really stuck with me is you've got to be bigger than the four walls of your gym not to say you've got to necessarily go and open up your own gym or dominate online coaching whatever it is but you've got to reach people outside of that gym You've yeah. got to draw yeah. in. And that's where marketing comes in as well, because you could be the best, most knowledgeable trainer who's done the most qualifications. But if you're not showing people yeah. what you're capable of doing, then yeah. you're almost going to be very limited. Yeah. And it comes back to the whole being passionate about fitness. And you know, there are some guys who are like really passionate coaches, but haven't been able to sort of demonstrate that. And one thing I wanted to ask you, Matt, is 
what gets you passionate about the health and fitness industry and being a PT? I mean, to be fair, Mike, like if I ever stopped loving it, I wouldn't do it anymore. And yeah. I still get so excited when someone hits a PB or achieves something or, you know, almost has that light bulb moment with understanding their nutrition or turns around yeah. and said, that was the best training session. I, I really needed that today. I was having a bad day. And little things mm -hmm. like that never get boring for me having that intrinsic sort of satisfaction rather than going for that extrinsic reward of right okay well I'm going to get a nice big what of cash after the session it's almost like that buzz you get like you say from helping people and that's why I started being a PT because as cheesy as it sounds I just love helping people when they text you or they say look Mike thank you so much yeah even after 10 years I get exactly the same buzz from doing that so this is why we continue to do what we do we talk to each other as trainers as to how we can make ourselves better and we take different things from each other can't we yeah and i think as well over years you've probably experienced it you've probably had a chance to sell out and sell some sort of shake meal replacement shake or sell a product at, at some point but essentially you don't want to be perceived as one of them trainers trying to make a quick buck off people just trying to get money out of people as quick as you can i've always had the philosophy of, i've invested a lot of time and effort into people because i genuinely want to help them and by doing so, they will invest in you. Your, your following will invest in you. They will trust you that you're going to lead them down the right path and not just trying to get money out of them. A big part is taking interest in people. It's not all about you, you, you. If you spend a whole hour PT session talking about what you've done that week, yeah, clearly like, you show no interest in your client. And it's important that trainers recognize that, that you're there to listen to your clients. You're there to yeah. for them. Otherwise, long term, you're not going to succeed. And perhaps you're in the wrong job. That's the thing. The business isn't you. The business is your customers. On that note, Matt, that's a really good way to conclude this week's podcast. Yes. And Mike, it is episode 10 next week. So it's wow. maybe the last one of our first series. Wow. So we haven't actually got a subject booked, have we at all? So we want you guys to message us and tell uh. us exactly what you want us to talk about for the last episode. Does that sound yeah. fair? That is a great shout, Matt. Yeah. So if you listen to this podcast, share it on socials, message either me or Mike and tell us what you want to hear about specifically on the last podcast. From me, guys, as ever, stay safe, stay well. What he said. Have a good one.